0: I'm so glad y'all are here today. Thanks for coming. Uh, My name is Chuck and I'm a pastor here and uh, been here almost eight years and I love our church. I mean, I love our church. Uh, I'm finishing a series today entitled Confessions of a Recovering Christian and uh, today is the subject you've all been waiting for, politics. I mean, how could that possibly go wrong, politics? I mean, seriously, I know we have folks in this room right now that are like, I love Trump, and then there are equal number of people who are anybody but Trump. I know that we have Democrats and Republicans, libertarians and independents. I know they're here. I know they're watching online. I know that we have a lot of diversity in our world when it comes to politics. Well, it doesn't really matter what part of the country you're from or what country you might be from. Politics is just a radically polarizing subject. I mean, if you want a good argument, stir up a little bit of conversation that's a bit rambunctious about politics. But in this series, Confessions of a Recovering Christian, I thought it might be interesting to tackle what is the role of the Christian and the church, what is God's perspective on the political landscape, especially with everything that we're headed toward in 2020 here in America. To get started, my confession is pretty simple this week, and that is I grew up in the home of a politician. Uh, Many of you knew my dad, but you knew him as Pastor Ken or his brother, Ken. I knew him when he was state representative, Ken Allen, when he was state senator, Ken Allen. I knew when he was almost lieutenant governor, Ken Allen. I knew him as the chairman of the Republican party who cast the ballots for Richard Nixon in 1968, Ken Allen. And you can imagine, we didn't have many donkeys around our house, you know? But on my first presidential election, I voted for Jimmy Carter. I thought my dad was going to literally kill me. But, you know, I was fired up, man. I was voting for Georgia's own. Might should have rethought that one. But over the years, I voted for folks on all kinds of sides. I'm not sure I've ever voted for a libertarian on purpose, but maybe I did. But I do know this. um, I, I know that in such a diverse culture, we don't think the same way for a purpose. Had God desired us all to think the same way, can you just imagine what this world would be like? I mean... Let's just stop for a minute and just think of somebody that just annoys a fool out of you. You got them in your head? How many of you say, I'm that person to you? Okay, thank you. Now, it's always good to have honest people in a room. But now, you got that person in mind. What would you think about if the entire world was filled with that person? And you were the only one that didn't see it that way. It would be tough, wouldn't it? I mean, that's, that's a tough road to hoe. Well, I believe the creator of the universe has set down party lines on how we are to approach, not just politics, but life at large. But today's topic is politics. So I, I jotted down a few thoughts, maybe just to prime your pump. Number one, if Jesus had chosen to walk the face of this earth in this generation, he wouldn't sit on either the right or the left side of the aisle because Jesus has an aisle all of his own. If Jesus were here in the flesh today, what would he do in our present political environment? Would he campaign to get his favorite candidate elected? I don't think so. He would still be declaring the message he spoke about when he came during the first century. The, the solution to man's problems is not to reform present governments, but rather to replace them with the kingdom of God. If Jesus were to vote, he would vote for his father and his father's ways. Mark wrote in chapter one, beginning in verse 14, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. If Jesus were here, I don't believe he would lobby, but should Jesus lobby, I believe he would hold up the word of God as evidence. Under the scrutiny and temptation following 40 days without food, Jesus replied to Satan when he said, eat this. Jesus said, but it is written, he said it three times. It is written, it is written, it is written. For three temptations, three it is written. The Son of God knew the word of God was the bond of God as a covenant with God and his people. And if Jesus were be- to be under the scrutiny of a special counsel, he wouldn't be guilty of anything but being fully, completely, and utterly the way, the truth, and the life. The question we might be asking then isn't whether Jesus is on our particular side, but whether we're on his this is the appropriate question, not only for politics and government, but also every other concern. You've heard us say it if you've been around Sugar Hill any long, enter longer than a few weeks. We believe when you get Jesus in the proper order in your life, every other decision gets made with ease. The challenge for us is trying to figure everything out because we haven't taken that first step to get Jesus in the proper order of our life. Now you can say, well, Chuck, I don't really know how to do that. I feel like I do. Well, let me give you just a couple little assessments to do a little, just a little self-dive into your, into your own world. So over the past week, have you given more time to speaking with God than you have speaking about what some pundit may have said about politics? If this week, if you spent more time watching your version, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, ABC, whatever your deal is, if you've spent more time spending time listening to them than you have reading the Word of God, I would just say, let's stop and do a little self-reflection here. Now, you could say, well, Chuck, I didn't come today for somebody to stomp on my toes. And my answer would be, I don't believe I'm the one stomping. There's another in the fire, and he, 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 he might be hitting you pretty hard if you brought sandals today. Listen, Romans 13, 12 helps us understand that if Jesus were to look at our government, he would say, honor your government, pray for your leaders, seek the face of the Heavenly Father before you vote, but vote. Listen to what Romans 13 starting in verse one says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So if you don't like who's presently in in, in the White House and you liked what you had in the White House or you want something different in the White House, then what it really boils down to is this. If God had chosen to stop anybody that's been in any office, had he chosen to do so, he would have done it. You say, well, there's no way God would have picked that guy. Well, there's this thing in our world called free will. And God lets us choose and do as we please, but he reminds us of that when we do things that are not as he pleased. You say, well, wait a minute, Chuck. God gives me a free will. I can vote for whoever I want, whatever I want. Absolutely. But shouldn't God just tell me, just do this? Well, yeah, but here's the problem. For God to tell you, you'd have to know what his voice sounds like. For you to know what his voice sounds like, you got to spend some time with him. Now, I... I know what pundits sound like. I mean, I I know what folks who rip politicians to shreds for a living sound like. But honestly, I I don't think I'm the only one that's sick of hearing it. I mean, wouldn't it be great if there was just one human being that had a voice of reason for us to say, let's go that way. How great would that be? But I want to remind us that God could have, but he didn't. You know, the people of Israel wanted a king. Their first king. God wasn't good enough for them. They wanted a king. So you know what they chose? They chose a guy by the name of Saul. You know why they chose him? He looked kingly. He walked kingly. He sounded kingly. The only problem was he didn't have the heart of a king. He had the heart of a coward. You know who came behind him? The one that God ordained and appointed and assigned, King David. And you know what? He didn't look like a king. He didn't sound like a king. He didn't walk like a king. But you know, he had the courage of a lion. You know, God sometimes will give you what you want. Even if what you want's not what you get. And there are times in our life that we need to be taken to this Old Testament time of politics and upheaval. Found in Daniel chapter 3 where some might even call it a constitutional crisis. It starts in chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to attend the dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So all those folks there... They stood before the statue Nebuchadnezzar had stood up and a herald proclaimed loudly, people of every nation and language you are commanded when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, you're to fall down and worship the gold statue that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, When all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and every kind of music, people of every nation and language fell down and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, I believe with all my heart King Nebuchadnezzar was a full-blown narcissist. I mean, he was a narcissist squared. I mean, this guy was all about him. And I believe with all my heart that what he built for everybody to worship was built in the image of King Nebuchadnezzar. Because King Nebuchadnezzar was the kind of guy that would look in a mirror and start singing, How Great Thou Art. He was the kind of guy that couldn't imagine how he could make a bad choice because surely what he did was right. I don't know if that rings a bell with anybody that came to your mind as we talk about politics today, but the fact of the matter is, this guy had a problem. But listen, friend, this world, like that world, wants you to trust in politics and politicians. The world wants you to trust in in politics and the political machine and in politicians. But these young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're about to read a little bit about. They had been brought out of their country, enslaved and removed from their homes, forced into a new land with new faiths and new politics. And Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar had become a godless and a wicked land where a land filled with angry people living ungodly lives were being ruled by even worse leaders. Ring a bell. And their leaders, in particular the king, had determined that he was the man. He was the final authority. And so he builds this massive statue in his likeness to represent him and his government, his greatness, and his power. Here's one thing to stop and recognize. I told the middle schoolers at camp this. Anytime another person tells you that you should worship them, run from that person. Okay, that would have been a great time for an Amen. I mean, I bragged on y'all at 9.30. I said at 11, they'd do that without me having to tell them. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So for the rest of this teaching time today, you know, I'm, I'm a poor, sensitive little fella. And I usually need a little, just a little support here, you know. So for those of you who don't mind waving hankies and saying amen, I'm not going to be political. I'm not picking your guy or your girl. I'm not picking the other side. Just come on with me, all right? That would be a good time again to say, yeah. Lord, give me a charismatic church. Okay, so, but listen to what the New Testament says about this problem that seems to be the same problem today, just as it was in the day of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. James says in chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, do you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. Or do you think it's within reason the scripture says that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealously? I mean, maybe there's some folks who've said to the king, dude, this may not be your best play. Or are you sure you want to require everybody to, to worship you? Friend, listen, this world wants us to worship it. Hollywood wants us to worship it. Motown wants us to worship it. The car industry wants us to worship it. Could I just keep going? I mean, the entire world is trying to sell us something that we ought to worship. If we haven't figured out where we can prove that, just spend an hour on social media and look at what we worship. Even look at the amount of time we spent on social media might tell us what we worship. So in verse eight, we read some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever, which is a great suck-up line. You as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. So now you've got these young Jewish guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they chose not to kneel in front of the idol when the music played up. Now, the Chaldeans who are already there, remember that, that Nebuchadnezzar went and robbed the country and brought these boys along with thousands of others. He put them into slavery, and these kids were super bright, so they kind of elevated them to where they were kind of like, they were like the, the mayor and the council. I mean, they were big dogs in the synagogue. And even though they were Jewish, they were under this guy's rule and law. And Babylon was a godless place, but these guys stood on solid rock and understood what they believed and why they believed it. So after all that, they tell us about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They say, these men have ignored you, king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I set up? Now, if you're ready... When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, you can fall down and worship the statue that I made. But if you don't worship it, you're going to immediately be thrown into a fire which has a furnace, and it's blazing. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Now, can you imagine the audacity? Can you imagine a human that would look and say, and tell me, what God out there could protect you from me? You see, Nebuchadnezzar had decided that his politics, the way he wanted things, it was greater than anything, including God's way. And these guys kind of came in to rat out these three fellows. Now, the politics of this world, friend, it will dare you to live for God. This world will dare you to live for God. It sounds something like this. Let me tell you, you take that stance, you'll never get elected. Let me tell you, you agree in that, nobody's going to like you. You make that statement, and social media is going to kill you. Feel which way the wind's blowing. These three young men, bright, promising futures ahead of them as leaders and leaders of leaders, had been dared, as we are today, to step outside of the binary silly politics of donkeys and elephants and stand firm on the word of the living God. Come on. If I have to cue you, I will. Listen, they were being dared to stand when the political ways and winds said to kneel. I mean, everything said, everybody's doing it, right? All you gotta do is go along to get along. When you get alone in your private thing, just do that. Because let's face it, your faith is private. Listen to me, friend, listen to me. The only time your faith is private is when you deal with Jesus personally about your sin. There is never, ever, in scripture a time that you're to live your faith quietly. You are to live your life by you take the bushel off and let it shine. And I wanna tell you, these guys were being dared to stand when the world said, come on, but they knelt. Way beyond uncomfortable conversation at the dinner table, light years away from not getting a promotion, they were dared to kneel or die, kneel or be thrown into a fiery furnace. We're talking about cremation heat, But here's what they knew, even before the New Testament had happened or been written, the word that became flesh and dwelled among us was there at the creation of the world. You say, now, wait a minute, Chuck. I know for a fact Daniel is an Old Testament book. I know for a fact that story has told down through generations in Hebrew, which made it an Old Testament story. And now you're bringing Jesus into it. Chuck, I know just enough about Jesus to know you're wrong. Well, here's what I want you to know. Before the foundation of this world began, Jesus was there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And ladies, I want to be clear here. At no point were you made in our likeness. You were made in the likeness of God as well. And let me all... well, that's a little radical. And so, (laughs) bring it! (laughs) but, But I want you to know, listen, God had no intention for you to take second place. And, and especially in his church. Listen to me, ladies. Uh, the church has gotten it wrong for, for centuries about your role. All through the New Testament and in the Old Testament, incredible, extraordinary followers of Jesus that happened to be female spoke about the Christ, and they did great and mighty works. You're no less. Yeah, I know, girl power. But I want you to know I mean that with all my heart. I really do. I mean, without you, this world would be a disaster. The Word became flesh. Listen, these three knew they could stand on a solid rock. They knew where to stand. They they knew that when they drew this line, they knew they were on the right side. But, you know, I, I want you to notice this, that the king ask this telling question, who in, who, in, who in the world could possibly be a God that could rescue you from my power? And the answer is Jesus himself. That Jesus, he said these words in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. All of a sudden, these three young men have to make three choices, and so do we. What should I do politically? What should I do morally, and what should I do spiritually? They were faced with a task to trust God God regardless of the consequences. They didn't write an op-ed in the Babylonian Chronicle. They didn't form a protest. They didn't set cars on fire or pillage streets. They didn't go on Babylon Book or Jewish Gram and see what their friends had to think about it. They had to stand on something that mattered with an eternal surety, and so do we. But listen to me. America is a per- perfect picture of what happens. If you don't like what you got now, change it. If you don't like what you got then, change it. But you know, you have the, you have the right to make that vote. And, and let me just kind of parenthetically drop in here. And if you didn't vote, stop whining. I knew that'd get you fired up. They had to trust God, God regardless of the consequences. They, Listen, they had to stand on something that eternally mattered. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, back to Scripture, replies to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. Can you imagine how hot he got with that? But even if he does not rescue us, We want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. I'm telling you, these guys had some guts. I want to get in a foxhole with those guys. I want to line up with a good fight with those dudes. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage. Reckon? And the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, robes, head coverings and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Now don't get this wrong, in their their suit and tie and brand new hat with the new shoes, tied up in ropes, thrown into the furnace and surely they're gonna die. And since the king's command, the text says, was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Listen, friend, this world and its politics will dare you to live like you trust God. This world will dare you to trust God. I dare you to trust your God. You see, our challenges aren't the result of poor leadership. They're all founded in poor fellowship. I mean, it's pretty easy to blame any leader, but the question is, who are you following? Our citizenship is in heaven first. Where are we following? Who are we following? If we're following God less than we're following any other party or politician, we miss the mark. If we're following some church or some preacher more than we are God himself, we miss the mark. If you're studying and valuing Scripture more than you are the God of this Scripture, you miss the mark. God says he will not allow us to worship any other gods but him. Friend, listen, we don't need better political parties. We don't even need better politicians. But we are in desperate need for our politics and our politicians to be in perfect alignment with who God has created us to be. We have been created in his image, in his likeness, to walk in his ways and trust him, not the system. To get our politics right, we got to get our hearts right. Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they looked at Nebuchadnezzar and said, hey, dude, listen, you can fire up the music if you want to. We ain't kneeling. And he was like, but are you sure? I mean, I, I want to make sure you've got this. Listen to what the writer of Romans says in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Here's the key. For those who live according to the flesh, the world, set their minds on the things of the flesh, the world, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit, God. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 34:7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, meaning they are in awe of him and rescues them. I don't know about you, but I believe our world, you and me and our entire world, we need rescued. This is a mess. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, back to the text, jumped in alarm. I love that. He is totally freaked out. He said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty. They replied to the king and he exclaimed, but look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. He was close. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of the blazing fire and said, I love this, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants of, listen to this, the most high God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. When the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these three men. Not a hair of their heads was singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. That would freak somebody out right there. But, you know, this is the kind of thing that happens when you kneel when the whole world says stand. You know, they, they, they had already learned from their buddy Daniel. I mean, listen, Daniel knew when the world said, hey, you know, you need, you need to stand. He knelt. And, you know, he got into the den of lions, and all he was doing is lying around. Come on, come on, you just proved you were listening to me, Uh uh-huh. Listen to this, Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore... I issue a decree that anyone of any people, nation or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. This guy clearly hasn't had his heart turned yet, but he's headed in kind of a direction. For there's no other God who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You know, politics is a game. Now it's a costly game, but it's game. My friend, listen to me. God's not playing games. From the time of creation, he has set his kingdom in place, and his son, the Lord Jesus, came to allow us entry into his kingdom. A kingdom with no term limits, no political limits, and no limits of power. He has no boundaries, no treaties, no equals. He has no allies, he needs no allies. He isn't elected, and he wasn't always, and he will always be in charge. Always. He will take care of this world. He doesn't need the UN, NATO, president, kings, prime ministers, or dictators. He is the creator, sustainer, and savior of the world. And our allegiance is first and foremost to him and to his ways and his will. And we are to believe in him, hope in him, trust in him, love him, because he doesn't need a strategy team, a press release, a spin doctor, a pollster, a pundit, a pendant, or a party. Come on, that's good. Y'all have got to get fired up. I just unpacked something that you ought to should. Nobody was even waving a hanky, man. I'm going to try that one more time. Let's just see what we might could do, just in case. He has no boundaries. Oh, okay, you're waiting, okay, waiting for the, okay. If you're watching online, these poor folks. <laughs> that was funny. No, I'm not going to do it again. All right. Listen, he has one platform. Are you ready? This is what y'all came to hear. Jesus has one platform, and you know what It is. It- <laughs> You know, timing is everything, people. <laughs> Holy cow. Sing. All right, I'm going to try this one more time. Again, sure enough. He has one platform, and that one platform is you. <laughs> all you got to do is enter y'all in the conversation. We're, about, we're all about it. You are who he's come to redeem and to claim as his own child. And in him, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he's the rule, he's the law, he's the way, he's the truth. Listen friend, when we get our politics in line with God's will, we will receive the hand of God's blessings. You know, it's, it's, it's almost a shame that every time we finish a political speech, we have to finish by saying, may God bless America. I would just say to you friend, we need to stop asking for God's blessing and America needs to become a land that's blessable. Are you looking for a better way? Are you Are looking for a fresh and simpler way? Do you need a platform you can trust and a leader you can follow with all your heart and your mind and your soul? Then, friend, listen, Jesus is the one other in the fire. It is no, no other person but him. There was a fourth person there for sure. Jesus didn't come to keep those three dudes out of the fire. He came to walk through it with them. He came to walk us through the mess and the fire that we find ourselves in, no matter what the mess may be. Their robes were unaffected. There was no smell of fire on them. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Listen, the political position of Jesus is so simple. You live for him and he'll never leave you alone. He'll never leave you in a mess. He'll never leave you in the fire. You might be in a mess and you might be in the fire, but he cannot wait to walk you through it. He cannot wait for you to hop on his back and let him carry you through this. He is the one who beat death. He is the one that rose from the dead. He is the one that offers us life and he is the one that opens the door to heaven. He'll never make a promise and he'll never make a promise he doesn't keep. Every promise he's made has proven to be fulfilled. Every time he has said, I will, he did. And every time we say, will you, he does. The question is, do we wanna link our lives with the one that gave his life for us? and trust that he'll be the one in the fire with us, or do we wanna just stay in the fire and whine about it? Because I promise you folks, whining about it isn't gonna do jack. But you wanna ask him to step in the fire and walk through you? You can come out unsinged, you can come out with no burns, you can walk out knowing that Jesus the Lord said in your life, Come on, I'm walking through this meth with you, and we're going to walk all the way out. And when we walk all the way out, we're going to walk past Calvary, the cross that I died on for your sins, and we're going to go all the way to heaven. Friend, listen, that is the political party that Jesus stands on. And as for me and my life, I'm going with him. And I I urge you today, if you say, Chuck, I'm not sure I've ever nailed that down in my life, then I'm going to give you that opportunity today. If today you'd say, Chuck, I... I probably spend more time listening to a pundit than I do listening to the Savior. Chuck, I, I spend far more time on social media yakking about some, some crazy post than I do the Word of God. Well, Chuck, I, I, you know, honestly, I, Chuck, I just come to church because it's what you do on Sunday morning. I, I don't ever listen to you. I mean, music's good, but come on, man. Then today, here's what I'll invite you to. I want to invite you into a life that says I'm a a member of his party. I'm in the party that offers heaven. I'm in the party that offers hope. I'm in the party that doesn't let my hair get singed. I I want to walk his line. If that's your desire today, then I want you to be able to simply invite Christ into your life. It's not complicated. I mean, the Bible put it this way, that if you call on the name of the Lord, he'll answer you. And he'll save you. you say, well, Chuck, I don't need saving from anything. But you might. You may not be sure if you were to die today, you would go to heaven. You may not be sure that Jesus does want to step into your life. You may want to secure the fact that he rose from the dead, that you could have life. You might want to recognize that he was buried in an old dusty tomb, and three days later, he pushed that stone out of the way. And 40 days later, he ascended to be at the right hand of God the Father. And he gave you, when you trust him, the gift of God's spirit to give you direction. He knows about, your, he knows about your, your will, but he wants to be able to say to you, come walk with me and let me hold you. Let's pray. Friend, today, if your desire is, I, I want to ask Jesus to come into my life like that, I want to walk with that kind of courage. I want to deal with my own life. I don't want to blame everybody else. I just want to look at my own life. Then it's simple as saying, Jesus, thank you. Will you forgive me? Jesus, would you come live in my life? Make me new. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, raising from the dead for me, creating a home in heaven for me. And Jesus, I thank you, you did all that for, because of my sin. I wanna make a U-turn of my life. I wanna live for you. Friend, if that's the desire of your heart today, just lift your hand up anywhere around the room. That's what I need. That's what I want. Amen. 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 And friend, listen, that if you prayed with me and even if you just said silently in your heart, I'm praying for that today. I promise you God heard you. And if you meant that with all your heart and mind and soul, you're as sure for heaven as if you were already there. God ain't playing games with you, man. He loves you too much to play around. Lord, thank you for the folks who just said, I want to I trust you. Thank you for the folks today that would say, I want to live for you. Thank you today there was another in the fire and he still wants to be in the fire. God, I thank you that your son, the Lord Jesus, wants to walk through the fire with us. And we praise you that on this day, your day, we've rejoiced and be glad in it. Give us courage, Lord, for those folks that chose Jesus today. Give them the courage to step over to the meet and greet room and chat with me briefly right after. Lord, we love you and we trust you that your way is always the right way. Your way is always the healthy way. Your way is always the good way. Your way is always the way toward righteousness. God, give us the courage to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, I want to thank you for being here today. I, it, there's a church on every corner in this part of our world and you could have chosen one of dozens and for whatever reason you came here and I just want to tell you how much it means on behalf of me our team and all of the folks that are members here could I just say to you thank you it just means the world that y'all would show up today thank you yeah and we'd love for you to stick around it's a pretty cool place I mean you get super cool music Some of us wear skinny jeans. Some of us don't. I'm going to regret doing this, aren't I? Listen, today when you leave, me and Zach would tell you the same thing. Let Jesus go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. You know why? That's what he does, he can't wait. He cannot wait to make your crooked path straight and make things work out for you. He loves you. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment. It's my favorite part. Because no matter who you voted for, he will always love you. He is always good. And when you're in the middle of the fire, when it feels like the world is just burning up around you, man, let him bend over so you can hop on his back. And wrap your arms around his big strong shoulders. Only so he can walk you through the middle of that fire. And I believe when you get on the other side of it, just kind of look back with ha! And let him set you down on your two feet. Victorious. Let him wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead. And wrap his loving arms around you and look you in the eyes so that you can hear your Savior say my child. Say it with me. I love you. I do love y'all. God bless you. Go in peace.